0: Man. Well, this morning we begin a new journey. A journey, as Pastor Confer mentioned earlier, a journey thinking about a life, living a life on loan. Uh, this morning as we begin that journey, what we want to do is to look through the windows of our lives. To look and examine ourselves. To understand what it would look like if we lived a life on loan. These windows on the stage uh, give us a visual representation, a reminder, if you will, of not only our need to look within the windows of our lives and look within and to ask ourselves the question of what would it look like if I lived a life on loan, but also to understand that we need to look outside of our lives. And to see the needs that are all around us. We're thankful for uh, Mrs. Rockett being with us today to remind us that all around us there are needs. All around us we have opportunities. If we will just look at ourselves as uh, the, the gift that we've been given in our lives as a life on loan. Opportunities to love and to reach out and to meet needs. Tangible needs of, of people all around us. Well if you are not plugged in yet. It's not too late. Uh, this book that uh, Pastor Confer referred to, I encourage each of you to pick up a copy of this. You can get them in our bookstore here. You can get them in the Christian bookstore here in town. Um, this uh, book, we'll be looking at different parts of it over the course of the next six weeks. Um, Today, we're going to look at the introduction to chapter one. Next week, chapters two and three, so you could uh, read ahead. The small groups are uh, doing studies based on this book. Um, And so, there are many things. There's Sunday school classes. a class that meets right after this. So, if you're not, uh, don't maybe have time for another night where you can be involved in in a small group or a life group, you could just uh, come on Sunday morning and be a part of a, a group right here at the church. We form those uh, with that in mind. You could sign up today if you want to be a part of a small group or uh, there's a there's a table in the lobby even today to get some uh, further, opp- or give you further opportunities. Also there's a little tear off that's in your uh, bulletin that again Pastor Comfort referred to on the back of uh, that if you're a guest. But on the back of it Uh, We just want to know where you're serving. There's probably some of you that are serving in places. We'd love to be a support to you, and we'd love to know uh, that. So if you uh, have a ministry out in the community, uh, please let us know about that. You could just drop that in. uh, There's a little... Boxes as you leave. You could just uh, give that to one of the ushers or drop that uh, in that box today. So that'd be a great help to us to know um, how you're uh, in, involved in our community. Also, on the 27th of April, uh, out in the gathering area, we're going to have a ministry fair where we're going to highlight some of the wonderful ministries uh, in our community. Um, that, that we are involved in, that we are supporting, and also um, that we have people engaged in and leadership in different places. So that will be a fun uh, morning where you can see some of the great things going on in our community that you can get involved in. Again, looking within, looking through the, the window of our lives and asking ourselves, what does it look like for us to live a life on loan? God, what does it look like for me to live a life on loan? Let's begin uh, this morning... Let me begin by asking you a question. And the question is this. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you really? What defines who you are? What defines your life? Is it your heritage or your family name, your career? Maybe there's some accomplishment that you uh, have in uh, uh, in your life that defines who you are. Maybe there's uh, some... uh, Maybe it's your looks. Maybe it's your your bank account. Maybe it's what you have. Maybe it's your abilities. Maybe it's your past. Maybe there's some tragedy that is a part of your life that has defined who you are. Who are you? What defines who you are? All of us have a day we were born. All of us will have a day that will represent the day that we die. And in between we have this life, this life that we've been given, and we need to look at it as a life that's on loan to us, a life that's been loaned to us from God our Father. And that period of time between when we are born and when we die, that span, and it's different for all of us, that span, that gift, something, again, we need to look at and examine through the course of this next six weeks, as we think about uh, this series that we're doing, Living a Life on Loan, and ask ourselves the question, who am I? Who am I really? And what am I doing with this life that I've been given? Am I spending it frivolously? Or am I really investing it in things that really last for an eternity? When we think of living a life on loan, let me just borrow some thoughts from the introduction to this book. Uh, And in the introduction, the author's remind us or get us thinking of our life on loan rather than life as our own. So our life on loan rather than our life as our own. If you own something, then you're free to choose what to do with it. You're free to give it away or to sell it or to exchange it for something different. And if our life is on loan, then that totally radically changes that. It's not ours to do just with however we, and to do whatever we want to with it. There's a passage of scripture in 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, the 19th and 20th verse. It says this, Paul talking to us, You are not your own. You were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your body. You are not your own. Your life is on loan from God. What are you doing with this life that he's given you? Again, we're looking through the windows of our lives and Um, Mrs. Rockett and Sandy helped us to think about the story, the intersection of our church with this wonderful school And the opportunities that are in that school And as we think about our lives, realization, as we think about this subject and introduce it today All of our lives we're writing a story with our lives the decisions, the choices that we make with this life that we've been given, then create this story. And we are all writing a story. We're writing a story whether we're living our life understanding and living with the truth that it's an on loan. Even we're writing a story if we're living it as it's our own. Either way, we're writing a story. Your life's a story. And as we think about our story, again, we want to look through the window of our lives to examine what we are writing our story to be. As we examine our lives, not only do we want to look within, we also want to look out. So when we think about where our story uh, is going, we we need to think about the end of the story. We need to think about what's going to, uh, uh, the the ways that what we're writing now, how it affects the, the end of that story. So how does your story go? Do you think about who you are? you think about uh, what defines you? How does your story go? This story that we're all writing, one of the things that we understand as we think about our story of our lives is that some of the chapters were written for us. Crystal loves to write, my wife. I don't like it. I struggle with it, whether it's writing a letter or writing uh, uh, an article for the newsletter, uh, whether it's, if you notice the, their little pamphlet, their little uh, devotional books, notice that Crystal wrote, the, has written several of the inside covers of that. She can write that in a fifth of the time that it takes me to write. And so a lot of times I'll, uh, you know, I get this deadline of needing this newsletter article, and I say, Crystal, will you help me, please? Uh, here's, what, here's what I need to say. Can you make me sound good? Um, Uh, And so she does it far better than me. So sometimes in my life, someone else writes my story. All of us have chapters of our lives that have been written for us. We have that part of our lives that describes who our parents are and describes where we were born and what, what level economically we were born into, our personality, our looks. All of that is written for us. We have no control over that. I was born in southern Illinois. Uh, I still struggle with wanting to say I see impacts on our world and made radical, wonderful uh, contributions to society. Were men and women that overcame horrific chapters of their story that they did not write? This week, in thinking about that, I was reminded of the story of Helen Keller. Helen Keller who at 19 months of age contracted some disease they don't know exactly what it was they think possibly it was polio and she was left uh, deaf and blind as a result of that uh, of that illness and so there she's in this world uh, separated from people different It's, it's she's had this change but she was able to overcome that with someone whose life intersected her life and who invested their life in helping her story. And so her world was unlocked, and she did wonderful things. She overcame those difficult chapters. And I know that as I stand before you today, and you think about those chapters that you did not write, some of you have very, very difficult chapters that are a part of who you are. Chapters that are a story of your life that involve neglect, that involve abuse, that involve pain and loss and physical limitations, any number of things. That is a part of your story. And I love what Paul says to us in Romans when thinking about those things to this day, so when I mess up my grammar, I am a product of my environment. I have worked so hard to improve my grammar. But it's, that's who I am. It's, it's a part of me. Uh, uh, I grew up in southern Illinois. I was the second child born to a meat cutter turned insurance salesman. Uh, and I could tell you a lot of things about my boring life growing up, part of the story of my life that I had no control over. Other people were writing that, those chapters of my story for me. All of us have part of our story that's written for us. The, Paul, we're going to let Paul help us. We're going to look in through the wind, this window and look at, Paul's, look at Paul's life to get some help thinking about living our life on loan. But Paul had part of his story written for him. You see, uh, he tells us about it in Philippians, in the letter to the church at Philippi. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. That was a part of his story written for him. He had no control over that, obviously. Um, He's of the tribe of Israel, or of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. All of that is part of his story that was written for him. He had no control over it. We think about great men and women in history. We look at their lives, many of them that had profound things, and we process that in, 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 in relation to what this passage reminds us of and Paul says to us in Romans 8, 28. We know that In all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who've been called according to His purpose. In other words, yes, you may have some difficult chapters, and yes, there may be some things that that you didn't write and you had no control over, but God says, I understand that, and I'm gonna work it out for your good. I can I can write a different ending to that story if you'll just let me, if you'll live your life on loan and you'll understand it that way. I want to come alongside you, and I want want to write some wonderful pieces to your amazing story. That's what God says about us. Not only do we have chapters that we didn't write, we also have, all of us, chapters that we're not proud of. None of us are proud of all the chapters of the story of our lives. At least I hope we're not all proud of all of the chapters of our story. So, and that's something that we all have in common that there, we all understand that there are things there are chapters, there are parts that, that, that we made decisions, we did things that we're not proud of as we look back on it times when we, and the scripture says that we're all sinners, we've all fallen short of the glory of God, there, we all have we have that in common with everybody, we've made decisions that have hurt ourselves, that have hurt people that we love, that have hurt our God we again have that in common and we look, go back and we look at again Paul's life Paul, this great man of God, this, this individual that is responsible for writing most of the New Testament, this man who through his multiple missionary journeys helped to plant these churches all over uh, that area of, of the known world at the time that, that just ushered in this wonderful, exciting era of Christianity, just exploded. Again, Paul was, was, the, was the fuel for much of that. But yet, Paul had parts of his story that he looked back on and he wasn't proud of. The first time that we see Paul in the New Testament, his name was actually Paul or Saul at the time. And only later does he change his name to Paul. And in that in that story, we have him standing there as individuals that were stoning Stephen first martyr in the New Testament, we see Stephen being stoned as a result of some things he would said to the religious leaders that were there. It says in, in Acts 7, as they covered their ears and they yelled at the top of their voices and they all rushed at Stephen. And they dragged him out of the city and they began to stone him. Me- meanwhile, the witnesses laid their, clo- their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning them, him Stephen prays, "Lord, Jesus, receive my spirit." He falls on his knees. He cries out. They don't hold this sin against them, and he falls asleep. In other words, he dies there. And it says in chapter eight, verse one, and Saul was there giving approval to his death. There's Saul. This guy that would do great things for God would write a wonderful story with his life, living it on loan. But yet, he had chapters that he was not proud of. Looking back, you see him standing there giving approval to the death of Stephen, this innocent man. Further, you go on in his story, and you see in chapter nine there is uh, uh, Saul, and he has this intersection with Jesus Christ. This this place where Christ in his life intersects, and and he's blinded, and we. A lot of us remember that story. And then he was on his way to Damascus to persecute the Christians. And God says to Ananias, this guy named Ananias, he says in chapter 9, Lord, Ananias answered. I've heard many reports about this man because he told him to go to this guy. So Ananias is told by God to go see Saul. He has a message for him. I've heard the reports of this man and all the harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. All that he's come here... And he's come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. And Isaac is saying, Surely you don't want me to go to see Saul. He's the guy that arrests guys like me. He's the guy that standing there when they stoned Stephen. So Saul had this horrible reputation of persecuting Christians. And we think about Paul and those parts of his story, they could have destroyed the end of his story. They could have destroyed him. They could have made him say, you know what? I, I've, I've done these things. There's no way God can use me. I, I'm too bad. I'm too wrong. I've been done too many things. But again, all of us have parts of our story that we're not proud of. All of us have parts of our story that we're not, we're not under our control. But for all of us, God can take those things, and if we will live our life on loan, God can write some new, exciting, remarkable chapters if we will just let him. The other thing I want to share with you is some wonderful news. If you are, maybe you don't consider yourself a follower of Christ. Maybe you don't consider yourself a disciple of Christ. Maybe you're in the right now you're just trying to figure this whole God thing out and you're, you're thinking about it, you're considering it, you are studying Christ, you're here today, you're exploring that idea, but you could not save yourself. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. That doesn't describe who you are. And I would just say to you that in your story, as in all of our stories, that God wants to include a chapter in your story about a life-changing intersection. When we look back at Paul's life in chapter 9 of Acts, we see him, as I said, on the way to Damascus. He had papers in hand where he, was going, he had permission to go persecute Christians in Damascus from the religious leaders of the day. Persecute the followers of Christ. And on the road to Damascus, he has a life-changing intersection. In chapter 9, verses, verse 3, he says, As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you? Saul asked. I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. So here is Paul, living his life, writing a chapter that later he wouldn't be proud of, but he's in the middle of writing that chapter when there's this intersection with Christ. And then he's faced with a decision as he intersects the risen Christ. And Christ uh, he realizes in that moment that Christ is the Savior, that he is the Messiah, and he responds in that moment. He has a choice, but in that moment he, he makes a choice to respond to the Savior by giving back his life, by saying, you know, I want to live my life on loan. I, I'm going to live in obedience. And so instead of continue to do his own thing and write his own story. From that point on, we see Saul, after that intersection, living his life in obedience, following Christ. And we have a choice as well. A choice that you're here today, so all of us, God has has chosen for us to have an encounter, an intersection with the living Christ. And we have a chance to Decide to make Him the Lord of our lives and Savior of our lives and we have a chance to make Him or to to walk in obedience to Him after that intersection that God has for us. What, What did God say about us? He says in John 1, 12, Yet to all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Jesus says about us in John 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends for everything I've learned from my father I have made known to you. And that classic passage of John 3:16: for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What does God say about us? What does God want for us? He wants us to have an intersection with his son. He wants us to be his children. He wants us to be his friend. He wants to give his son for us. God has an intersection.
1: He wants to help us to write our story as we live our life online. That intersection and what we do at that intersection is vital to our story. Another thing would share with you is that every good story as we again look through the window of our eyes and look at the story that we're writing every good story has a plot the definition of plot the plot of a story is the pattern of events or the main story in a narrative or drama. So as we think about our story, there's this point where we come to an intersection with Christ. And hopefully we make a decision at that intersection to be a follower of His. And when we make that decision, then God comes and he writes a plot into our story. And that plot should be that we are living our life on one. thing about our lives though. Yeah, this is an old characteristic of yeah. all of us that we get so busy with stuff. That the world it's not necessarily bad stuff. Sometimes it's bad stuff. But it's not necessarily bad stuff that we fill yeah. our lives with. We get jammed packed with stuff and we get so Busy, we get so self-absorbed with things. I was talking to one guy that just recently retired and he was talking about how busy he was since he retired and he said, You know what, Since since I retired, I have no idea how I ever found the time to work before I was retired. So it's the same whether you're retired or not retired that the life just gets filled with stuff and it's different at different, different chapters of our lives, you know, there are different things that we've we'll small children or, you know, grown kids or, or retired at different stages. Life is filled up with different things. And it's not that those things are bad, but let me tell you something interesting about plot. You do know, understand the literature and you're big into this kind of thing. You already understand this, but let me just share for the rest of the people like me. Action is by itself, action by itself is not plot. So you think about a story, a story that involves a lot of action, that action in the story is not necessarily plot. The way that a plot is defined is the plot of the story makes a difference in the end of the story. And that's significant. Because our lives can be filled with a lot of action, a lot of things that just fill up and take up time, but that's not plot. God wants to redefine the plot of our lives, and the plot of our lives is living a life on loan. And when that is the, the the. theme of our lives, and we are, the plot of our lives is, I am living my life on learning. Obedience to Christ, the end of the story is different. Because
0: all of us one day will stand before God the Father, Christ the Son. We, we will stand there at the judgment. And the words that I want to hear, that I know that you want to hear are, Well done, my good and faithful servant. And this is the really cool thing is that when we allow ourselves to write our story with the plot being living a life on alone not only does our the end of the story for our life change but the really awesome thing is that we have the potential to change the end of the story for so many others I think Mrs. Rockett's school and all the individuals that have volunteered there. And I know that that's just one example of many, many things that that you do. But I think of all of those young children is it first through sixth grade? Kindergarten? Kindergarten Kindergarten through fifth grade. And as we invest in those children how many of the end of their story will be different because we love them because we invested in them because we gave them hope that's the fun part when we allow God to change the plot of the story of our lives living a life alone and when and That's what's vital for us, church, that when we understand that we have the potential to change the end of the story, that we exist not just for ourselves, but we exist to to intersect with people's lives, and we intersect with their lives, then we show grace and show love. We have a chance to change the end of their story, to share with them the wonderful truth about Jesus Christ who has changed our lives. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's workmanship created created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. What's God's plan for our lives? The plan is He wants us to live a life on loan. He has some things that He wants us to do. Some intersections with people in this world that He wants us to engage in. He wants us to help through our story to share with people his story. The last thing that I would say to you this morning, going back to the life of Paul, we see him on the road to Damascus. He comes to this intersection with Jesus, and he's faced with a choice of what to do at this intersection. Jesus tells him what to do next. He says, go to Damascus, and then you'll learn what to do next. And Paul responds in obedience in that moment. And for the rest of his days, he's busy writing his story, living his life on loan in obedience to God the Father. In our book, in the beginning of this book, the author says this. I want to share it with you. We write this book not merely to provide information and inspiration, but for reflection and action. And the author writes, action without reflection is thoughtless. But reflection without action is nearly useless. So with that said, First Church, let me encourage all of us. Let's start writing. Let's start writing our story together. The story of our lives as individuals, the story of our life as a church And like Paul, hopefully when we have that intersection with Christ, we can start writing a story with a different plot, a plot that says life on loan. James 2, verses 14 through 17 says this, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, Faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. Our world needs followers of Jesus Christ whose faith is not dead. Whose faith matches up with their actions. I think we're up for that. Amen? I think we're a church that is up for our faith Matching our actions is up for making a difference in this community, in our world. For Jesus Christ is up for changing our story. The story that the best chapters of your life, the best chapters of this church's life, have not been written. They are yet to be written when we say to God, My life is on loan. Everything that I have, everything that I am, is yours. You direct me, you guide me. It's yours. This morning, we're to conclude by taking communion together. And it is a chance for us to have a literal intersection with Christ in a literal way. Because these elements, the bread represents the body of Christ. The cup represents the the blood of Christ. And as we take these elements, and as we take them into our body, it's our chance to have a literal intersection with Christ in this setting. And so this morning, as we take these elements, and I'm going to invite those if, if, you've, if you're ready to come ahead and prepare yourselves and take your places, and we're going to pray together. So if you have the, the elements, just come on ahead when you're ready. But as you take these elements, as during a time of worship, as we're worshiping just in your own time when you're ready, you take these elements. And as you take them, I want you to say What you're saying to Christ is, Christ, I understand that you have given your entire life, everything that you are, you gave it for me. And now as I take back in this intersection, I take the, the elements back. As I take these elements back into my life, as I take them back, then I'm saying, God, I understand my life is on loan. Father, these elements, I pray that you would bless them. And now as we take them, I pray that you would help remind us, Father, that we are living a life on loan. And now we intersect with your Son, making decisions about living a life on loan, giving our lives just as you gave it to us. We give now through our time of communion, we give our lives back to you. In the name of Christ I pray, amen. I hope that you have experienced in a real way the intersection between Christ and in your life, And as you experience that intersection, let me remind you of words that were spoken to Saul, to Paul, that I believe that Christ is speaking to us today. Here are our marching orders this morning. Let me, why don't we all stand? If we're going to march, we need to be standing. Here's our marching orders as we leave today. Now get up. And go into the city, and you will be told what to do next. Are you willing to respond to what Christ tells you to do with your life? Are you willing to live a life on loan? If so, over the course of the next six weeks, we're going to look through the window of our lives. We're going to explore together. And if you're listening he will tell you what you're to do next father we're ready i pray that you would speak to us as a church as individuals over the next few weeks and father you would help to just put something in our heart god help us to see both what you want for us and the needs around us in our world god whether they're in this church or whether they're in our community God where are the needs and Father how can I as I live my life on loan how can I respond to your call in obedience thank you Father for what you see in us and now we respond in obedience in the name of Christ we pray amen Lord bless you as you leave today Uh, If you're here with us for the first time, again, thank you for being with us. And now go and do what he says. (laughs) Bless you as you leave.